Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 6 a.m. on the dot on one of the last times that I'll have to say Central Daylight Time in a while because on November the 1st, we fall back one hour, thank God. It's the 30th of October, 2020. This is episode 312 of Bitcoin and back to the news, bro. Why did I say that? Well, because I did my first interview. If you didn't listen to episode three, uh, 311, I had uh, Samson Mo and Wayne Wan Chong on talking about Infinite Fleet, the video game that Pixelmatic is producing. And, uh, Pixelmatic is Samson Moe's company. It's been around for a while. They got a couple of other games out. Uh, haven't, you know, but they're, they're right now they're really tuned in on working on this Infinite Fleet, which is a, a real-time strategy, MMO, uh, expansive procedural space game. And it looks like it's, I mean, the artwork looks cool. I haven't seen any actual gameplay from it because why? Well, it's in development. So, But if you want to learn more about what's going on with Infinite Fleet, Roll back on over to episode 311 and find out all about it. Uh, <clears throat> this, I'm sorry, excuse me. This episode is brought to you by the shitcoin. That's right. It, there's, there's, yeah. The, let, let's just, I'll, I'll give you the about shitcoin. Uh, this is from theshitcoin.com. The shitcoin is a token created just to be a very speculative trading device. The project initially started because we saw all kinds of yearn.finance forks pretending to be something while it's clear they have no technical function. We do not pretend to have a really special new technique feature that is uh, actually completely useless. We just straight up tell you it's absolutely useless when talking about the technical functions of the token. It is just a fun coin. Oh God, here we go. But it can be a very useful trading device. Like 99% of all crypto coins, this is its sole purpose. So let's all buy, promote, and pump the shitcoin. Oh, man, this space is just is too much fun. I have found out about this because of Shitcoin Sherpa who says, <clears throat> and God, it's probably Shitcoin Sherpa's coin. The shitcoin is coming. Give a shit, take a shit, win shit, and try not to lose shit. No, not one of my projects. Okay, there is, so it's not his. Not one of my projects, but damned if I don't love a low supply token with a little chutzpah and memory. Do your own research and check it out here. And he gives his own ref link uh, in true shitcoin, shitcoinery fashion. We all love our ref links, right? <laughs> okay, okay, all right. So that's what's going on in, in Crazy Town. Also in Crazy Town, but... On the other side of the planet, we have this one. Uh, we're going to start the real news off with this. Iran amends law to fund imports with Bitcoin. Nick Chong is writing this one for btctimes.com and says the following. <clears throat> Iranian media outlet Iran Daily reports that the Iranian cabinet has amended regulations to allow Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies to be used to fund imports. <laughs> We're going to get in so much trouble. Citing Erna, Iran Daily notes that this new legislation will allow the Central Bank of Iran to acquire digital assets directly from miners within the country. This purportedly was a joint effort by the Central Bank and Iranian Ministry of Energy, the latter of which has been strongly regulating Bitcoin mining over recent months. The new regulation entails that Bitcoin mined in the country can only be sold for fiat currency when they are used to finance imports. Quote, the miners are supposed to supply the original cryptocurrency directly and within the authorized limit 
to the channels introduced by the CBI, the report reported purportedly reads. Earlier this year, the Iranian government told all cryptocurrency miners to disclose information about themselves, their mining farms, and their equipment with government branches. Those that do not disclose their operations are subject to fines. <laughs> Come on, man, this is Iran, probably just death. <clears throat> this means that if miners use their mined cryptocurrencies for any other purpose than to be sold to the country's central bank, there may be consequences. Estimated by the Cambridge Center for Alternative Finance indicate <clears throat> that Iran currently controls 3.82% of Bitcoin's total hashing power. This makes it the sixth largest country for mining. Assuming the numbers are correct, it would mean that Iranian miners collect around 34 Bitcoin each day. This equates to $450,000 at current prices. While it's, uh, it isn't clear how far the central bank of Iran's Bitcoin and cryptocurrency holdings go, analysts in the space expect central banks to eventually adopt Bitcoin as a reserve asset. Cryptocurrency analyst Kyo Wang <clears throat> stated that he wouldn't be surprised to see a nation state announce an allocation to Bitcoin in the foreseeable future. Crypto, uh, the, quote, with the rate at which corporations are adopting BTC, I wouldn't be surprised if a nation state announces their investment in BTC within the next five years. The biggest BTC bulls may find this completely realistic, but for people who used to hang out on Bitcoin talk nine years ago, this would be an absolutely incredible achievement, end quote. Max Kaiser, founder of Bitcoin venture fund Heisenberg Capital and host of the Kaiser Report, said in August that central banks can only save themselves by buying Bitcoin. And we have a tweet here. Let's read the tweet by Max. <clears throat> Negative interest rates equal global central banks coordinating a rolling global bailout of member banks. Game theory suggests that one will break ranks and crash the whole scheme. The easiest way a central bank can save itself is to buy Bitcoin. No. Okay. <laughs> you got to love Max. At the very least, corporations and institutions have begun acquiring Bitcoin in mass. Stone Ridge Asset Management just disclosed that it owned 10,000 Bitcoin, currently valued at $113 million. A week prior to this announcement, financial technology giant Square purchased $50 million worth of Bitcoin to help its balance sheet, inspired by the $425 million move from MicroStrategy and its <coughs> Chad CEO, Digital asset manager Grayscale Investment also recently revealed that over Q3 of 2020 alone, it secured $720 million worth of investment for its Bitcoin trust, mostly from institutional investors. So, Iran. This is, <clears throat> this is a really interesting development because Iran is basically saying, we want the Bitcoin. The country itself, the government itself, through the central bank and its issuance of regulations and how the central bank interacts with the mining economy in Iran is basically saying on paper for the whole world to see, we want the Bitcoin mined in this country. Yes, we will pay. I, I Okay, I was about to say, yes, we will pay you a fair price, but I don't know. I mean, I'm not really sure exactly what the details are, and I don't think anybody is really sure except the people in, that's actually writing the legislation and the people that are having discussions with the miners. <clears throat> Iranian miners probably know, and the central bank clearly knows, and the people writing the regulations also probably clearly knows, but to everybody else, we don't know what they're paying. We just know that the central bank's saying, we're going to buy the Bitcoin, we're going to give you fiat, and that's how, how we're going to do imports. But who they that means that the central bank is or okay let's just say the Iranian government they're getting the Bitcoin that's what this that's what this screams to me is that they want the Bitcoin and they are making moves to get that Bitcoin and but they seem to be doing it in a way that from a market standpoint could possibly be seen as fair I don't think it's fair I think these people should be able to keep their Bitcoin and you know spend it on whatever that they want to spend it on but man you know you're talking about an authoritative regime what are you going to do i mean and if every government in the world does this it's not just because it's bitcoin but if every government in the world cracks down on their citizenry like this you're going to wake up to a worldwide civil war i mean this is this what i'm saying about the story is that it's both good and bad 
All right, just be, you know, I'm not really going raw, raw over here, people. This is just, I mean, I am and I ain't, and I'm not. It's just the whole thing is kind of bizarre about the way this thing's going, the way the world looks right now. It's just, you know, screw it. That's just why I Bitcoin. Harvest Finance is offering $1 million to get a stolen $34 million uh, hack back. Uh, DeFi yield farming protocol offered a bounty to track down an attacker. But nothing came of it. So it's going to beg even more. <laughs> Decrypt.co's Jeff Benson is going to tell us about it. He wrote this one on, back on October the 29th. <clears throat> Harvest Finance, a DeFi yield farming protocol, is offering a $1 million bounty to find a hacker that made off with nearly $34 million from its users over the weekend. Harvest had earlier offered a $100,000 and then a $400,000 bounty. The attacker used a flash loan to artificially deflate prices of stablecoin, tether, and USDC on harvest, and then snatched the tokens up at bargain basement prices from liquidity pools. <laughs> oh, that harvest finally came out with a, a little statement here in a tweet. Increasing the bounty for tracking down the attacker and returning the funds to $1 million. Here's what we know about the attacker. Number one, understands flash loans. Oh my God. Two, Understands arbitrage and trading. Three, understands curve internal code. Oh. Four, understands REN BTC. Uh-oh. Five, understands OPSEC. And there's a second part that they're not showing here, but okay, fine. I mean, are you, are you saying it's somebody from REN? Is that what you're saying? Are you saying, yeah, okay, well, I don't know. It, anyway, they're begging hard, man. And as you know from last train wreck that um, Kraken CEO Jesse Powell, ba or Jess Powell from Twitter, uh, basically handed them their ass when they begged for blacklisting accounts, okay? So anyway, they've cranked it up to a million dollars because they got their ass handed to them and they don't know what else to do. As a result, the DeFi's project team is looking into several changes, <clears throat> including restricting flash loans, which allow tech-savvy users to deposit and withdraw funds simultaneously, usually for price arbitrage, which the attack essentially was. Harvest referred to it as theft within its attack post-mortem as the asset values had been manipulated. While owning up to the protocol's shortcomings, Harvest Finance has not yet laid out a plan for compensating users, but says that it's formulating a, redemption, a remediation plan for affected users. Quote, in the meantime, it issued a humble request that the funds are returned to the deployer so that it can be distributed back to the users. End quote. In an October 26 tweet, Harvest implied that its team knows who the attacker was, but was unwilling to dox them. It proposed a $100,000 reward, then a $400,000 one to whoever could convince that person to return the funds. That hasn't happened yet. Hence, the larger reward. Harvest also admitted that it did, doesn't have hard proof of the attacker's identity. You don't know who this person is. If the protocol's posts are to be believed, its plan for making users whole rests on getting the funds returned. Returned. It wrote on Wednesday, quote, Our main focus in week nine is to restore funds from the hacker and to mitigate any flash loan attacks that can affect users in quote, geez, this only not this whole protocol is only nine weeks old guys. There is however, an ongoing poll about whether reparations should be paid to uh, paid to tether and USDC depositors via an IOU token. If it fails, the depositors would be on the hook for a portion of the loss. Harvest is also trying to make future attacks all but verboten. <clears throat> it asked eight major exchanges to blacklist Bitcoin addresses used by the hacker which at least one exchange was reluctant to do. Subtweeting the protocol, Kraken founder Jesse Powell wrote, stop fucking up your bullshit DeFi scams and expecting exchanges to bail you out. I will not accept your attempt at externalizing the cost of your hasty, reckless rollout. That was, dude, he just handed him their ass. Harvest is certainly internalizing the results of its engineering error, and that's in quotes. Its farm token, which was trading for $230 on Sunday, is currently hovering around $100. Its seven-day drop of 61.8% is the largest of any coin in CoinGecko's top 300. Decrypt has reached out to Harvest for comment. Yeah, well, get ready for the Dust Bowl. It's coming. Avanti becomes a U.S.-regulated bank 
with unanimous approval. Joseph Young is writing this for BTC Times sometime yesterday. Avanti has received a bank charter from the Wyoming State Banking Board with a unanimous 8-0 vote. The approval allows the Bitcoin and crypto-focused bank the same authority as national banks in the United States. Okay, before we continue here, I find it fascinating that this is Caitlin Long's uh, project, okay? And she's she was one pretty much the one that was spearheading all this crypto stuff in the state of Wyoming, and yet her bank is the second one, not the first one, but the second one to get a charter. The first one was Kraken, all right? I, I find that a little interesting. But Caitlin Long, CEO of Avanti, who previously served as the managing director for top bank Morgan Stanley and Credit Suisse, emphasized the bank's focal point is to bridge traditional and digital asset financial systems. Long said Wyoming is currently the only state with a regulatory program for digital assets that is close to completion. Quote, we will provide products and services that do not exist in the market today. <clears throat> currently the only type of U.S financial institution that can provide final and simultaneous settlement of trades between digital assets and the U.S. dollar because it is the only type currently approved to handle both within the same legal entity is a Wyoming special purpose depository institution like Avanti. Wyoming has the only U.S. regulator with the bank supervisory and regulatory program for digital assets that is near completion, end quote. The approval comes after the after United States Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell publicly disclosed the prospect of developing a digital currency earlier this month, albeit Powell expressed a cautious tone towards a short, short-term outlook on a central bank digital currency. The statement showed the overall awareness of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies has been increasing in recent months. Atop its usual operations and digital asset custody, Avanti said in its official statement that it is creating a tokenized U.S. dollar named Avit. Oh. Uh, Avit would initially be issued on the Bitcoin sidechain liquid. Okay. <clears throat> oh, God. As well as on Ethereum. Oh, God. Come on, Caitlin. Stop shitcoining. As the bank gets ready to open for commercial customers in the first quarter of 2021. The approval for Avanti to operate as a U.S. regulated bank is a critical milestone for the Bitcoin industry. The developments are expected to further strengthen the public's perception of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. Even throughout 2017 and 2018, there were reports of bank account closures related to cryptocurrency users and businesses. Although top banks uh, eventually took on major cryptocurrency companies as clients, a digital asset-focused bank is a stable option for cryptocurrency users and businesses. Avanti is creating a compelling alternative to stablecoins. It describes Avid as the stablecoin disruptor as it vows to solve legal and accounting problems regarding previously existing stablecoins. Quote, Avid is designed to solely to solve widely acknowledged problems with legacy payment systems faced by traders, investors, and corporate treasurers. Nicknamed the stablecoin disruptor, it is also designed to solve the legal accounting and tax issues of stable coins. So there you go. And moving from one shit coin to another. And yeah, I mean, I like Caitlin. I really do. I like what Wyoming is doing for Bitcoin, but you're just going to get people in trouble when Ethereum just, that thing is got, it's got too much plumbing. There's too many moving parts. That's a problem going forward into the future. Even if they move to proof of stake, which in essence kind of adds one more cog to the wheel, the fact that Caitlin is putting this Avit coin on the Ethereum blockchain is just going to get people in trouble. I, I'm calling it. <clears throat> She's going to get people in trouble. That I, I kind of not all that happy about. She should know better. Caitlin, you should know better. Uniswap moves closer to a new 5 million uni airdrop, okay? The Uniswap community is voting on its second ever governance proposal to distribute 5 million governance tokens to users who interacted with the DEX via a third-party platform. Okay, let's, let's hold up right there. This is Samuel Haig writing for Cointelegraph uh, sometime late last night. Uh, but hold up for a sec. <clears throat> It is clear that almost all of this DeFi nonsense, most of the coins are back below uh, percentage gains. They're below Bitcoin and Ethereum in percentage gains. The whole thing is collapsed. 
If you're not watching, the whole thing is freaking collapsed. It's and it was bullshit to begin with, and it's even more bullshit now that we've seen the entire thing go underneath the pro. If you had just stayed in Bitcoin, you'd actually be outperforming this whole DeFi nonsense bullshit. Unless you knew exactly when to get in, exactly when to get out. If you're just some freaking trading pleb boy, then you would have just done better staying in Bitcoin, which is what we always say. But here's the catch on this. <clears throat> they dumped a whole bunch of uni tokens on the on the on their crowd or whatever that had interacted with the decks or whatever and people went freaking nuts again i think it was like 1200 bucks per person or something like that and they went oh whole hog back in which pumped and inflated the entire the entire space of defi up now that it's gone and crashed back below what do they do they another governance uh, vote to drop bullshit out of thin air value on a bunch of plebs. They're not doing it because they like you. They're doing it because they saw their entire everything just deflate underneath them. All they're doing is dumping bullshit on you to reprime the stupid pump. Okay, don't fall for it. Second ever governance proposal for the Uniswap decentralized exchange is more than halfway to reaching a quorum with a little over 30 hours to go. If passed, the proposal will, dis will see 12,619 wallet addresses that interacted with Uniswap via proxy contract receive 400 uni tokens each. 5.05 million uni in total will be allocated to the users of MyEtherWallet, Agent Dharma, DeFi Saver, Nuo, Ido, Open, Crumbo, Monolith, and Rebalance. <clears throat> the proposal was put forward by Compound-based lending and savings protocol Dharma, who claimed that its users felt left out by the initial distribution. The cohort of proxies were chosen due to them being less programmatically accessible, suggesting a lower likelihood of multiple addresses per end user. Quote, the phase determination was made on how easy it is to programmatically hook a trading bot into them as this is a proxy for what portion of these cohorts risk representing multiple addresses per end user. Wow, what a mouthful, end quote. The voting deadline is roughly 8 a.m. on October the 31st. <laughs> Boo, Halloween. Should the vote pass, Dharma plans to put forward a secondary proposal for retroactive distribution. Quote, should both phases pass, we will not vote in favor of any further retroactive airdrops, Dharma noted. The vote appears to be steadily gaining support, of course, with the number of votes in favor increasing roughly 25% in the past couple of hours to 25.93 million, compared with 1.26 million votes against. A quorum of 40 million votes in favor must be submitted to pass the proposal. However, Uniswap's first governance vote also put forward by Dharma, recently failed due to falling short of a quorum by the deadline by just 1%, despite 98% of votes cast supporting the proposal. Although the number of opposing votes were low, several analysts suggest that a large segment of the community may have opposed the proposal by abstaining from the vote. The second proposal has also received pushback with Spank Chain CEO Amin Salamini criticizing the retroactive distribution for failing to create any wealth for uni holders while removing funds from the project's treasury that could be allocated elsewhere and giving the tokens to folks who will likely sell it, <clears throat> probably having a small negative price impact, end quote. Despite his qualms, Solomini conceded he would vote in favor of the proposal should it be the absolute last fund recovery ever, warning that Uniswap must avoid these kinds of governance quagmires moving forward. You can forget about them avoiding the quagmire, dude. That the the writing is on the wall for all of this BS. All right, you're just gonna vote to. They're just gonna continuously vote to put tokens to fall out of the sky on any idiot who will pump them back into the system so they can farm tokens to farm other tokens to farm other tokens to farm other tokens until the dust bowl of the 1930s. Oklahoma Plains come rolls in and destroys everything one more time. Stop being stupid, people. Crypto lender cred freezes funds, suspects internal fraud. <gasps> Who could have guessed? <clears throat> Alexander Behrens is writing this one yesterday for Decrypt.co and says, Cred has unexpectedly halted all customer deposits and withdrawals, leaving units 
uh, sorry, users with little more than a cryptic message about a, quote, fraudulent incident, end quote, and ongoing cooperation with law enforcement, a company's statement provided to Decrypt suggests Cred suspects the loss might have been an inside job. Cred announced via Twitter after 10 p.m. Eastern Time on Wednesday that all inflows and outflows of funds would be suspended until additional updates were released within the next two weeks. They actually said two weeks. <laughs> oh, oh, that's rich, man. A short follow-up tweet also gave assurances that no client personal data or account information has been compromised and that Cred was cooperating with law enforcement authorities to investigate a recent fraudulent incident. Here's the tweet by Cred. We deeply regret causing so much concern as we assess the business impact connected with the recent fraudulent incident. Cred is cooperating with law enforcement authorities to investigate the incident. However, no client personal data or account information was compromised. And that's the end of the tweet. In an exchange with the Cred support account, Ask Cred, the Cred team indicated that the fraudulent activity had impacted the company's financial position. <clears throat> Quote, Cred has experienced irregularities in the handling of specific corporate funds by a perpetrator of fraudulent activity that has negatively impacted Cred's balance sheet and precipitated a law enforcement investigation into the loss of these funds, Cred support staff told Decrypt in an email. Quote, Cred is in the process of carrying out an internal accounting of its assets and assessing the impact of the incident on its current business and in consultation with legal counsel, has determined to temporarily suspend all inflows and outflows of funds relating to all the Cred Earn program. Loss of funds, especially when attributed to hacks or exit scams, is all too common incident in the cryptocurrency industry. Seldom will such incidents attract the attention of law enforcement since crypto is still very loosely regulated and operates largely in the legal gray areas. Founded in 2017. Wow, that's pretty old. Yeah, dude, 2017 and based in San Francisco has taken measures, CRED has taken measures, to foster relationships with government officials in the furtherance of crypto-friendly regulations. Last year, the company hired Ali Medina, a mayor of Emeryville, California, to lead its government outreach initiatives. The firm's business relies on providing interest earnings on crypto deposits and loans backed by crypto collateral while only taking a small service charge for, as outlined in their website, insurance, licensing, and liquidity while distributing the rest to customers. Indeed, the CRED website makes several references to insurance on deposits provided by crypto custody providers Fireblocks and Lockton, calling the coverage, quote, one of the most comprehensive insurance policies available, including cyber hacking, E&O, which is errors and emissions, and regulatory coverage, end quote. The CRED website also explains that CRED deposits are not FDIC insured, unlike deposits at traditional U.S. banks. In other words, Rug pull. Oh, I'm sorry. Cred advertises insurance coverage through private agreements like those with Fireblocks, but it is not guaranteed by insurance from the U.S. banking system. Well, duh. Despite multiple claims of insurance coverage, however, Cred communications on the incident thus far have offered no assurance that customer funds are safe or that customers will be made whole if indeed funds have been stolen or otherwise impacted. <clears throat> Troubling crypto land has recently been concentrated in hacks against decentralized finance protocols built on the bleeding edge of blockchain capabilities and often vulnerable to clever exploits of the underlying code. But uh, the recent cred incident is a reminder that more traditional centralized operations are also still at risk. And despite promises of insurance, there's no guarantee funds are ever truly SAFU. Okay, so yeah, rug pull. Uh, you ain't getting your money back. We, we tried to warn you. We tried to warn you. Let's run the numbers. Oil is up. Gas is down. Actually, oil is not all that much up. I mean, you're, we're talking about 36 bucks for a barrel of West Texas Intermediate and 37 and three quarter dollars for a barrel of Brent North Sea. All right, so we're up like a third on West Texas and a quarter of a point on Brent North Sea. Natural gas is actually moving more sideways than anything else. You're still paying a $3.3 per thousand cubic feet of that. All the metals are up. Uh, gold is up almost a half. It's at 0.4. Silver is up 0.8. Platinum is up 0.8. 
uh, copper's up a quarter. Palladium is basically kind of sideways. Let's see what indices. Are we saved today? Nope. Nope. It's meh. Dow futures are down 0.6. Same with the S&P. NASDAQ futures are down almost a full point, And the S&P mini is down damn near a half. Screw that money. We got real money. Bitcoin is at $13,312. It looks like I'm going to have a high over at BitAsset at $13,316. And I'm going to end up pulling my lows out of GDAX, $13,275.64. 292,000 transactions have been performed in the last 24 hours. That's about 12,000 transactions every hour on average. 2.7 million BTC have been sent in the last 24 hours. And dude, that's on, let's see, what is today? Friday? Uh, Yeah. Good God. You know, we've been seeing these high volumes, you know, usually like, I, I don't know, man, just Thursday to, you know, from a Thursday to Friday, seeing these kind of volumes be, you know, now come in as sort of usual is still surprising to me. 2.7 million BTC. That's $36.7 billion being sent on the Bitcoin network in the last 24 hours. Shit, man, that's $1.5 billion sent every hour on the hour on average, with the average transaction value being 9.46 BTC or $125,000, and the median transaction value being 0.059 BTC or $781 bucks. Block times are clearly still high, 12 minutes and 31 seconds. We have 2.3 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis and 269 BTC in fees in the last 24 hours. Oh my God. Our hash rate is at 105.7 exahashes per second. That's up 0.63% in the last 24 hours. It looks like Ethereum is doing 379, Bcash at 258, Litecoin at 53 and a quarter, BSV at who gives a shit, Ethereum Classic at five and a quarter, and Dogecoin, who I love to report on over BSV because it's actually a more important chain than BSV, even though it's a shit coin. But 0.0026, which is where Dogecoin always is. And at 43,000 transactions in the last 24 hours, it does not beat Ethereum Classic. Oh, look at that. Ethereum Classic actually has 90,000 transactions, people, in the last 24 hours, as does Litecoin with 95. And all of these shit coins are walking all up and down Bcash at a mere, measly, piddly, worthless, completely ununderstandable of its existence, 23,500 transactions the last 24 hours. <clears throat> Let's see what Clark Moody has to say about things. He's looking at a price of 13,272. He's also looking at 96,500 transactions waiting to clear, which is going to take 56 blocks. Holy shit. Capacity of Lightning Network seems very stable at 1,044.57 BTC. That's $13.9 million of liquidity, over 7,527 nodes, representing 35,789 channels. Tor capacity has dropped a scant. It's down to 50.3%. That's 525.36 BTC in the Tor side of the network. And that is being powered by... 2,494 Tor Lightning nodes. That's going to do it for Vitals. Part two of the morning roundup. Coming at you with FUD, bro. Mahafis, my mining death spiral. Let's get into it. Bitcoin transaction fees rise to 28th. 28-month high as hash rate drops amid price rally. October the 29th, we've got <clears throat> Omar is Omkar Godbold. Sorry, Om, Omkar Godbold is writing this one for Coindesk.com. When? Oh, sometime yesterday. <clears throat> the cost of doing transactions <clears throat> on Bitcoin is surging while the network suffers its worst congestion in nearly three years. Oh, tell me about congestion, bro. As of Wednesday, the mean fee per transaction on the average transaction cost was 0.000867 BTC, which is up. Oh, oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Never mind. 
0.000867 BTC. That's the highest since June of 2018. According to data source Glassnode, <clears throat> in dollar terms, the average transaction fee was $11.66. Oh, my fees. Average fees in Bitcoin terms have increased by 537% in the past 12 days alongside the cryptocurrency's price rally from 11200 to 13800 Quote, Bitcoin mempool is back in focus in the wake of rising transaction volumes causing congestion in the network and consequently driving fees higher. Dennis Venakurov, head of research at London-based prime brokerage Bitquant, told Coindesk. Mempool is the collection of unconfirmed transactions. Yes, we know what the mempool is. Let's not do that one. Now, uh, let's do this one. As of, Okay, here we go. As of Tuesday, there were 121,340 unconfirmed transactions in the mempool with a total block size of 66.8 megabytes. According to data source blockchain.com, that's the highest level since the bull market frenzy of December 2018. The recent slide in Bitcoin's hash rate looks to have played a big role in causing network congestion along with the general price-driven pickup in activity. In other words, the mining power dedicated to approving transactions and mining blocks has gone down amid the price rally boosting waiting times and network congestion. The seven-day moving average of Bitcoin's hash rate has declined from 146 exahashes per second to 120 exahashes per second, in other words. The mining power available to approving transactions and mining blocks has gone down amid the price rally, boosting waiting times and network congestion. With the end of the rainy season in China's Sichuan province, a mining hub, some miners may be shifting to other areas with cheap hydroelectricity sources, causing a drop in the hash rate. <clears throat> this happens every single year. At the end of the summer, the rainy season stops and Chinese miners kind of hang it up and go either go somewhere else or, you know, I, maybe they even sell the miners and then wait till next year for a new round of miners to come out. Who knows exactly what they do. But we do know that hash rate always drops at the end of this, you know, after summer is over. It's just the way this shit works. OK. And until mining is fully decentralized across the globe. Uh, you're always, you're, you're going to see this, but I, I got, I still got like, you know, high hopes that we'll see mining, you know, really get more and more decentralized <clears throat> so that these kind of shocks are covered by other places in the world. So I wouldn't worry too much about it, but <clears throat> be prepared for mining death spiral FUD. It's coming. Um, high fees FUD, uh, looking at you, Roger Ver, and all the rest of the idiots that, that were, you know, raw rawing for big blocks. Um, big blocks is not going to help this. You think it is, but it's really not. I'm still very happy with one megabyte. I'm very happy with the fact that fees are starting to actually fund the Bitcoin network so that if, you know, when subsidies go away, that it's fully self-supporting and we'll have, you know, second, third and fourth layers that will take up, you know, your coffee purchases. All right. But if you want to move a billion dollars, I wouldn't do it through the lightning network. And I sure as shit wouldn't do it on liquid. I would just use the base chain because you're getting up to that kind of numbers of, of money. You can afford to pay $11 because if you try to move that shit in gold, you're going to be looking at $11,000 an hour to move that gold. Okay. Just be aware. New wallet. <clears throat> for the digital one is coming to the new Huawei smartphone is I can't pronounce that name. Hui, Huawei, Hewu, whatever. I don't care. Jack Martin is going to tell us about it for coin telegraph. And he wrote this very early this morning. The mate 40 series will reportedly enable dual offline transactions and allow users to control their anonymity. Bullshit. <clears throat> Huawei has announced that its forthcoming Mate 40 smartphone series will include an integrated hardware wallet for China's central bank digital currency, the digital yuan. This will be the first smartphone to feature such a wallet, according to an official post on Chinese microblogging website Weibo on October the 30th. The post also promises that users will be able to control and protect their anonymity and perform dual offline transactions. These enable mobile phone users to transfer funds simply by touching their devices together, even if both are offline. Uh, Huawei is uh, also offering a free Mate 40 Pro to the Weibo user who forwards the post 
to the most people, the Mate 40 is the first smartphone or Huawei smartphone to utilize five nanometer chip technology as recently debuted on Apple's iPhone 12. The technology allows billions more transistors to be packed onto a single chip, significantly increasing the potential power. However, due to the ongoing trade war between the United States and China, Huawei will be unable to acquire or make more of its Kirin 9000 processors once its current stockpile runs out. China's digital yuan is reportedly already in the testing stages as several countries vie to be the first to launch a CBDC. As Cointelegraph reported, one of the major drivers behind China's accelerated development of its digital currency is to act against the influence of the United States dollar in global trade. Well, then, use Bitcoin. Stop messing around with CBDCs. It's just all bullshit anyway. So, Fidelity now. Fidelity is taking its crypto business into the Asian market. Matthew DeSalvo, writing for Decrypt.co, says this as of yesterday, Fidelity Digital Assets, the cryptocurrency-focused wing of financial services giant Fidelity, is teaming up with a Singaporean startup in a bid to cater to the Asian market, according to reports. Fidelity Digital Assets will work with Stack Funds, an investment manager Bloomberg reported today. The partnership will provide cryptocurrency or sorry, crypto custody services and aims to help satisfy growing demand from family offices and the region's wealthy investors, the report added. Bloomberg also said that all assets will be subject to monthly audits by Stack and that certain protections such as insurance coverage will be included. Stack Funds is a new company that claims to be seeking to bridge digital assets to traditional financial investors. The startup says it provides a streamlined, secure, and simple way to gain exposure to cryptocurrency and digital assets, end quote. U.S. investment giant Fidelity has been singing Bitcoin's praises for years with a close eye on the Asian market. In August, Hong Kong-based digital asset firm OSL Digital Securities, which is backed by Fidelity, announced it had been granted a license to trade crypto by the region's market regulators. The latest news comes at a time when institutional investors are becoming more interested in the crypto world. Asia's crypto market is also huge, baby. 2020 has been a big year for crypto's transition to the mainstream. Earlier this month, PayPal announced it was launching a crypto buying and selling feature. Investment bank JP Morgan said that Bitcoin is now solidly competing with gold as an alternative asset. And hedge fund icon Paul Tudor Jones praised the crypto asset <clears throat> as an attractive hedge against inflation. Bitcoin today is up 3% and trading above $13,600 per coin. That is not true. Please stop putting in prices that don't change. In, dude, that's like in programming when you hard code a, a value, it's there forever. <clears throat> you need to make it a variable because otherwise people think that Bitcoin is actually up to $13,600. It's not. It's ac actually, let's see, where is it right now? Uh, can I find it? Yeah, 13343 is what I've got on uh, on my chart. So, yeah, stop doing, stop talking about the price and hard-coded stuff like that. Crypto exchange FTX launches Bitcoin pairs for Wall Street stocks like Tesla, Apple, and Amazon. You knew it was coming. You love to see it, I guess. I don't know. I, I honestly, I'm not a trader, although I knew it was coming. Crypto Potato is going to tell us about it. Uh, this is, there's, oh God, Zhejo, 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 was the author. Zelyazko, Zelyazko, Zelyazkov. Awesome name, dude. Zelyazko, Zelyazkov. Popular cryptocurrency derivative exchange, FTX launches Bitcoin pairs <clears throat> for Apple, Facebook, Tesla, Amazon, and so forth. Uh, they will give cryptocurrency traders the opportunity to trade tokenized shares of major companies like Apple and Amazon. The so-called fractional stocks will soon be available on the company's platform. As per a recent report, FTX will be partnering with German financial firm uh, CM Equity AG and Swiss-based Digital Assets AG. <clears throat> the co cooperation aims to offer traders the so-called fractional stocks. About 12 stock slash crypto pairs will be traded on FTX's platform. Alongside additions like Apple and Amazon, the list of company stocks includes Netflix, Facebook, Tesla, 
and the Spider S&P 500 exchange-traded fund. According to the news reports, FTX move is part of a more intense urge towards the cryptocurrency industry to popularize security token listings. Reportedly, the new token additions will target investors who find it hard or inconvenient to access a variety of stocks via traditional markets. Sam Bankman-Fried, CEO of FTX, said, quote, For a lot of people, it's a hassle to access stocks. There are ways to do it, but they feel very much old and clunky. Giving people access broadens out what you can trade, end quote. He also added that the tokens will behave much like a depository receipt or an exchange-traded fund. Investors can trade them on FTX, but will have to cash them out because of the underlying security of via CM Equity, which holds the actual securities. Reportedly, there will be no management fees for holding the tokens. Trading fees will remain, though. Uh, the launch will go live shortly after the beginning of the registration on Thursday. Traders in the United States and FTX's other restricted jurisdictions won't be able to trade the newly added tokens. Well, of course, because they've weaponized us. We suck. The American American public is, you want to you get in trouble as a non-American? <laughs> Do business with me in the financial or financial services or financial products. And, and I guarantee you, you will see the inside of a United States prison because you simply wanted to do business with me. I hate being a weapon. I really do. FTX is known for launching products that are rather different than those on other traditional cryptocurrency exchanges. It was one of the first venues to launch an index on Uniswap coins back when the DeFi boom was all the rage in the crypto market. What? Three months ago? <laughs> As CryptoPotato reported, recently the company launched a Uniswap feature, uh, futures index combining the top 100 pools on the Uniswap platform. The project offered traders to employ a traditional digital asset exchange to access markets through the decentralized trading platform. Yeah, the top 100 pools. I see in my mind a sewage treatment plant. Just saying. Let's get into this last one here. <clears throat> blockchain could become part of the United States military's strategic weaponry. Simba chain beat competitors such as Boeing by using blockchain to underpin a war game solution for the United States Department of Defense. <clears throat> Marie Hooley is going to tell us about it from Cointelegraph. She wrote this one about an hour ago. Oh, good Lord. <clears throat> One often hears blockchain in the same breath as security and supply chains. This week, a winning entry to a competition organized by the United States Department of Defense cast both these aspects in a new light. To keep pace <clears throat> with the ever more technologized battle lines of contemporary warfare, the DOD continues to explore ways to innovate the manufacturing process and supply chain for weaponry and infrastructure in use by the United States Air Force and the U.S. Navy. The Advanced Manufacturing Olympics, held virtually this year on October the 20th through the 23rd, sought to recruit traditional DOD contractors, technology developers, and academics to mobilize new technologies, particularly 3D printing, for the manufacture and delivery of critical parts in the military supply chain. Simba Chain, a smart contract-as-a-service platform, developed at the University of Notre Dame, and ITAMCO was awarded first place and a prize of $100,000 for its entry in one of the technical challenges set during the DOD's Olympics. For the challenge, the DOD devised a war game scenario in which fictional island was under siege. Participants were at, tasked with deploying additive manufacturing, the 3D printing of metals, plastics, and composite parts on demand, and creating a secure communications and delivery network for forward-deployed military units and frontline medical staff. SimbaChain CEO Joel Nydig explained, quote, <clears throat> We had six days to put together an entire war game solution to deliver critical parts to a battlefront, keep field hospitals operational, and infrastructure like runways intact. What was different about our approach was how we met with both the physical challenges of warfighters as well as the cyber threats that are playing a growing role in modern warfare. End quote. Simba beat other participants such as Boeing, which won third place, and Stratasys second place due to its use of blockchain to provide a secure network that established cyber-resilient communications between additive manufacturing labs across the supply chain. The DoD's Olympics is not, of course, an idle war games challenge that stops with the creation of a fictional island. 
The Air Force seeks to turn successful solutions into commercial realities, and SimbaChain is already working with several arms of the DoD, including the Air Force and the Navy. The company states that it has, quote, high hopes that blockchain, and specifically SimbaChain, will soon be an integral part of the United States military strategic weaponry, end quote. Yes, blockchain. Now you can kill people more efficiently and more effectively on the blockchain. I can't say it. I'm trying to be nicer, but this is the kind of stupid shit that I'm sick of. It's just watching these people say, I have a blockchain solution. When it's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's hard to watch, especially when we start talking about using it to kill people. I mean, I'm not a pacifist. I mean, you come at me and you're going to get hurt, but this, this entire, we've been at war for how long now? As, as, as a country, the United States is, when was the last time that the United States was actually at peace? Do you even remember? Because I don't, it's been so long. I mean, was it before? I think it was like Reagan. We were actually at peace. And then when uh, Bush Sr. got in, it was like just wide open warfare. And it's been that way as far as I can tell ever since. So people that give Reagan shit about being you know, president, say he was a bad president. Hey, he might have screwed up a couple of times. But dude, we weren't attacking everything under the sun. And we sure as shit weren't using blockchain to do it. This is ridiculous. But... Be prepared because this this industry is going to get bastardized eight ways from Sunday, and every piece of garbage human being that will ever be able to be attached to it will be attached to it for one ter- for one reason and one reason only to make as much money doing as little work as humanly possible. All the real tech and all the real talent and all the real ethics and all the real morality is going to be in Bitcoin. Everything else is just opening itself up to be bastardized and enslaved by military, governments, judiciaries, functionaries, and other kind of crap. Don't let it happen to Bitcoin. Defend Bitcoin at all costs. The shitcoins can cover all the immorality of the world if they want. I will have no freaking part of it, which is also one of the reasons why Bitcoin, that's going to do it for the morning roundup. Yeah, we're going to need a joke. So we're going to get it from dad says jokes. I had an industrial accident last week. I fell into an upholstery machine, but now I'm fully recovered. Get it? Recovered? Yeah. Let's just go ahead and end it right there, man. I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.